0: What is NBA up, everybody? This is Jim Milak, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's special Pot of Fame episode, we are talking all about the Basketball Hall of Fame because over the weekend, a lot happened. The 2020 class was finally inducted after a year of waiting because of COVID. Um, one of the best classes of all times. So that happened on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they announced the 2021 class. So I was very, very busy keeping tabs on all of this, what was going on, following all of that. So on today's pod, I really just want to break down the weekend a little bit, as well as talk about some of the the players from each class. I can't talk about all of them. You'd be here all day, but I'm going to try to give about 20 minutes to the 2020 class. Again, the one that was selected last year, but just inducted on Saturday. And then I want to talk about the recently announced 2021 class. So let's start with the 2020 class. This is one of the more notable classes in the history of the Hall of Fame. Um, I honestly, I was looking back through other classes. I think the only class that would maybe top this one would be of course when Michael Jordan the goat got in because uh, he got in along with John Stockton and David Robinson. So those were three all-time greats going at the same time. However, this class really gives it gives them a run for their money. Um, Kobe Bryant The late Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, of course, headlined this class. But, and I'll get to in a second, I don't even know if, no, I I actually made the list. Tim Duncan was a part of this class. I actually have Tim Duncan ranked higher on my all-time NBA list, best best basketball players of all time. I've Duncan ranked above Kobe, but that's for a second. So, Kobe Bryant was a part of this class. Tim Duncan was a part of this class. Kevin Garnett is the third name I'm saying because this class is so star-studded. So um, some of some of the best players in NBA history were in here. Um, and then also, as part of that group, uh, Tamika Ketchings, one of the best WNBA players of all time. Coach Eddie Sutton, uh, Barbara Stevens coach, uh, Coach Kim Mul- Mulkey. I probably should have made sure I'm pronouncing all these correctly before. Uh, Patrick Baumann. Uh, Eddie's son and Rudy Tomjak. I think I got that wrong. I'm going to roll with it though. And that, that was the coach. He won the multiple championships with the Rockets and he had a really good NBA playing career too in the seventies actually, but that was the 2020 class, the full class. And that, <clears throat> and those people all were on Saturday, um, giving their speeches. Kobe's wife gave a really good speech for him and his place. Of course. Um, but that was all Saturday and the hoopla was all around them and they should get their moment. I mean, last year, of course, with COVID, they couldn't, um, it's been a long year waiting, but what a what a class to wait for. So with this class, as well as the 2021 class, I'm not going to go through all the players. I'm going to kind of key in on, on four for each class, four inductees in each class. I just don't have enough time because when I, when I tell you when I tell you how big the 2021 class you're is, is, you're going to die. It's humongous compared to that 16 people, but the 2020 group, there's four players I want to key in on. And that's Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tamika catchings. I'm going to only spend a couple minutes on both. I could do an episode on all these people. I'm just trying to give an update. If you want, Email me, tweet at me. Let me know if you want me to talk about people already in the Hall of Fame. I'm starting to explore maybe doing that every once in a while just because some of these players are so fun to deep dive and just look back and at their career. And in the Pot of Fame was created to kind of talk about people's Hall of Fame cansies if they were kind of borderline or, or, you know, they haven't been given a fair look. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Tamika Ketchings, they don't deserve an episode about me debating with someone if they're Hall of Fame worthy. Those were all automatic Hall of Famers. Uh, there's no doubt. But it would be fun to do an episode and just break down their careers in general, similar segments, but not really just talk, don't talk about a Hall case, just talk about the player's career in general. So if anyone wants to see some of the, something like that down the line for key players throughout history, tweet at me, send me an email at at gmail.com. Be curious to see feedback there. And if anyone wants me to do that, cause I kind of want to start doing that occasionally, but anyway, let's go back to the class. So first things first, let me talk about Tim Duncan. I said earlier, I don't know if this is crazy um, or an unpopular choice, but I think Tim Duncan in the history of, M- in the NBA, I think he's the best power forward of all time, but I also think he is a player who I would rank ahead of Kobe I I sat down and made, I haven't done this in years, but I I really thought about it for a while. Best players in NBA history, my own list. I have no one that knows me would ever ever think anything else, but I have MJ number one. I'm not even going to go there on this pod today. He's clear-cut number one for me. I don't think it's a debate, okay? Number two, I have Kareem. Number three, Magic Johnson. Number four, Bill Russell. And number five, LeBron. So that's my top five. And then six through 10, I have Tim Duncan at number six, Larry Bird at number seven, Shaq at eight, Kobe at nine, and Wilt Chamberlain at 10. So in my top 10, in the top 10 players of all time, I think Duncan's the sixth best player in NBA history. And he's a part of this class with the number nine guy in NBA history. And then KG... I have him in the 20s. I I didn't rank all the way out there, but he's going to end up in the 20s somewhere. So, three of the top 20 something NBA players of all time all in this class. Amazing. But back to Duncan. So, why why is Duncan the sixth best player of all time? I mean, going off just stats alone here, just numbers, stats 19 points a game, 11 boards a game, three assists a game for his entire career. That's, that's, That's across almost 1,400 games, that consistency. 15 time All Star. 15-time All-NBA, 15-time All-Defensive team member. It's a record. Five NBA championships, including three finals MVPs. He also won a Rookie of the Year award. And oh yeah, he won two League MVP awards back to back. He also won an All-Star Game MVP. I don't really care about that, but he did. Um, Tim Duncan, the more and more I understood basketball, the more and more I watched Duncan, So, who started his career in 97 out of Wake Forest, um, I mean, I, he's he was part of my life basically from the time I started watching NBA. His first season, the first season I really remember watching is '96, so he came in a year after, and he came in and averaged 21 points a game and 12 boards and two and a half blocks right out of the bat. Because he went to Wake Forest for four years and completely dominated there, one of the best college players of all time. Uh, so he came out and he w- he was ready to go. There was no learning curve for Tim Duncan, but he's just consistent. Uh, a 20. Ten guy throughout his entire career, basically, with basically over two, two blocks a game, Two, He averaged 2.2 over his career. He was dependable. He won. He was well-liked. He was an excellent teammate. He was just boring. And I think that's why I didn't gravitate him, to him as much as a kid. When I was a kid, I tweeted about this the other day. I was the biggest Kevin Garnett guy ever. Huge KG guy. Had his jersey, everything. He was my favorite player in the league um after jordan left and and i thought tim duncan like there's a debate at that point like who was better um and and i could fight for kg all day but over time i i kind of learned that duncan is the far superior player just across the board um he won a lot more award-wise he outperformed carnett quite a bit and um i mean five five championships three finals mvps you don't really you don't slip, you don't fall into that. Right. And the thing I want to get across today, other than all of that, um, I think people, because here's the thing with Tim Duncan. He played till he was 39 years old, right? When he was 39, he averaged nine points a game, seven boards. Honestly, it's still pretty impressive. 1.3 blocks is a 39 year old center. That's pretty impressive, especially the way the NBA was going at that point. But when I, What I think what people forget is they kind of remember Duncan near the end of his career, this kind of older guy moving around slow. But like, I want to today remind you all Pete Duncan was like an absolute monster who who dominated the game. I mean, like again, you think of him, he's kind of boring. He bank shots in. He doesn't do anything flashy. He's not throwing down. He's not screaming like Garnett and making a big scene. He wasn't. I don't think in a ton of commercials. I don't really remember him on TV much, other than the games. But but if you look back at like his playoff performances, early Duncan, it's his numbers are just uh, they're they're eye popping. Like in the ninety nine finals, he's only twenty two years old, right? He's just gotten the league. In the ninety nine NBA finals, he averaged twenty seven points a game and fourteen boards a game. Okay, as a twenty two year old in the NBA finals, which they won. So we won finals MVP at 22. Think of some of the people I named that, like, MJ wasn't doing that 22. Uh, LeBron didn't do that 22. Like, that was insanity. 27-14 as a 22-year-old in the 99 finals. They won it, right? But it gets better. He starts to develop more, right? He gets more comfortable. In the 2003 finals, he averages 24 points per game, 17 boards, and 5.3 assists. He also had 32 blocks in the series. So he averaged over five blocks a game. So let me read that back to you. And probably his peak. So he's 26 years old. They're playing New Jersey, 2003 finals. Tim Duncan averages 24 points per game, 17 boards, five assists, and five blocks. Find me... I mean, I'm trying to think like all time. Like Jordan, of course, is the scoring finals. He averaged 41 in a series. Shaq had those dominating Lakers ones. But like, that's one of the better finals lines in NBA history like across the board. 24-17-5 five, and five blocks. That is insane. Okay. So that's Pete Duncan. I just, I wanted to remind people on this that, that Pete Duncan put up video game numbers. And it's just, I think it gets lost. The NBA in the 2000s was a little boring i would say it was probably like the dollar decade one of the dollar decades in history let's be honest the spurs were winning a lot the pistons won that one i don't know lebron was still coming of age it was nba it was probably the least interested i was in the nba and i was still extremely interested but it just they were like the finals games they were scoring like the 80s right so tim duncan i just I think he gets lost as one of the all-time greats and I have him down as the sixth best person of all time. So I want to give him a little do, um, and just talk about some of those peak finals performances because they're pretty damn incredible. So Tim Duncan, first person is going to highlight best. I thought he was the headliner of the class, even though it's going to be Kobe, anyone you talk to. And that's fair. Kobe's an all-time great top 10 player of all time. But I do think Duncan actually is the headliner for the 2020 class. Uh, moving on. I I just touched on him a second ago, but KG, uh, Kevin Garnett was my favorite player for a very long time growing up. His numbers are just as you know impressive because for the length of time, he did it um, as Duncans. He played 21 years in the NBA, um, came right from high school, of course, and then just played forever, would not retire, um, retired at 39 as well. But again, had those extra seasons because he didn't go to college. Average 18 points per game, 10 boards, and four assists across his career. Um, was a 15-time All-Star, nine-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Defensive team. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 2008, MVP in 2004, All-Star Game MVP as well. Um, won that championship with Boston. And also was a four-time rebounding champ. He won four straight rebounding titles with the T-Wolves. I think people forget that. Um, how great of a rebound. Like, he's one of the best rebounders I've ever seen in NBA history. Um, and he was averaging like consistently like 13 for five, six seasons there with the T wolves. Uh, KG is, I don't want to call him Tim Duncan like cause it's not fair. I mean, he's almost Tim Duncan except just wasn't the winner. Tim Duncan was. And again, he was on those T wolf teams. Like he didn't have pop as a coach. Tim Duncan had a lot going in his favor. Um, but garnett i mean offensively he was maybe a smidge worse than duncan he never could put up some of the offensive numbers duncan put up rebounder he's probably a little better than duncan passer he was better than duncan defense duncan gets the edge but they're both great and duncan never won a defensive player of the year award but kg again all-time great one of the first i feel like i'm one of the first fours i saw like to really step out and take like long jumpers. Like he was like in the three point competition at the McDonald's all American game in high school. He could for at the time, he's one of the first big men, to even like shoot three pointers. He never really averaged more than like one, a game attempt. And he was never that great. I mean, he was 28% for his career, but he's one of those first guys who's really taking long shots, long twos, threes at the, the big man position. I'm sure there's other ones I'm blanking on, but he's the first one I remember. Just super long, super lanky, ferocious competitor. Like, honestly, kind of a psycho on the court. Like, the complete opposite of Tim Duncan in terms of demeanor, which is probably why I gravitated to Garnett as a kid. He was loud. He was cocky. talks a ton of trash. Him and Duncan could not be any different personality-wise, but on the court-wise, very similar guys. Duncan, of course, huge edge, but garnett still a top 30 player of all time um someone i I always liked and appreciated uh and, and one of those guys like a russell westbrook level of like doing anything possible to win like the one thing i want to call it for him here i'll never forget it he was not the first great passing big man there was plenty of people came before him but he was one of the first big men i noticed i was like oh wow he's averaging five assists a game that's pretty neat Um, I always gravitate toward his MVP season. Um, Again, this was when he was on the T-Wolves. He was trying to drag him to the finals. He never could get there. Um, He got him to the Western Conference Finals once. Um, But his MVP season, he averaged 24 points a game, 14 boards, five assists, 2.2 blocks, 1.5 steals. I just remember how full the box score was with him. I love that. And then um, the year before that, he actually averaged six assists. So he now Jokic is getting like eight or nine. It's crazy, but back then, like he was one of the better big man passers. Him, Sabonis, even at the end of his career, was an excellent passer for the Blazers. Walton, of course, before them. But I, I, I didn't like. He was again one of the better assist guys of all time when it comes to the big guys, and I, I just kind of idolized him as a kid. So really happy to see him get in. Um, his Jersey is still somewhere in my parents' house. I should probably dig it up and be kind of fun to brush that off. Really cool. T-wolf jerseys too, in the two thousands and the mid nineties. Uh, and then let's talk about Kobe, right? Uh, I don't know if there's like anything I can say. Like, I'm sure anyone that's listening, that's the like, huge Kobe fan. I know there's a lot of them out there. I have a couple people who are like, it's like LeBron fans. They like Kobe was one of the first where it's just like, I'm a Kobe guy. I don't even care, but like, i I'm just a Kobe fan. Um, me saying Tim Duncan is better than Kobe in NBA history is blasphemous to you. I get it. Uh, Anything I say right now is probably not going to help, but you know, Kobe Bryant to me, what like they were always after Jordan retires, like who's going to be the next, who's the next Kobe Bryant, right? I'm sorry. Who's the next Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's the closest we've seen since like even LeBron James, he was the second coming of magic Johnson to me. He's not the second coming of Michael Jordan, Kobe, Purposely, like, was trying to be Jordan, and like, he, he admits it. He studied him, he tried to do everything like him scoring wise de- on the defensive end, the intensity, um, kind of being an asshole. Uh, he just did it a little, you know, he wasn't as great as Jordan, but he's a top 10 player of all time. I don't think that's anything to you know, <laughs> I don't think it's any small feat to be a top 10 player of all time. He averaged 25 points per game over his career, five boards, five assists. 18-time All-Star, five-time NBA champ. He won two finals MVPs, 12-time uh, All-Defensive team guy, 15-time All-NBA team, won four All-Star game MVPs. That was like a Kobe Bryant special. Only won one MVP award and only two scoring titles. Those are both lower than you'd think. You think Kobe should have won more MVPs? You could definitely say that. Um, you'd think he would have won more than two scoring titles. I mean, that's how many titles Steph Curry has, Russell Westbrook has, James Harden has three. It's interesting. But yeah, two scoring titles. The reason why I have Kobe below Duncan is not just that Duncan has more MVP awards, finals MVPs, all that. It's... And the thing that I've always just... With Kobe compared to MJ, that comparison ever. It's Kobe did jack up a lot of shots, right? Like, (laughs) one of the most memorable moments for me, and it was just the most fitting thing, Was Kobe's last game as an NBA player where he scored 60 points in in the final game um, of his career, which was the most Kobe thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, It was fantastic. He also shot 50 times in that game, which was incredible for him. Uh, But he just shot a lower percentage. Like Jordan was like a guy who always hit 50. Kobe was a lifetime 44.7% from the field shooter, under 45% from his career under 33% from three, uh, 83% from the line was solid, but the 44.7% from the field, I just, he just jacked up a lot of shots and he never shot a high percentage. And, um, you know, those three titles with Shaq, Shaq was the man. He was the second fiddle. Um, Duncan was, I mean, even he didn't win those other two MVPs. Um, he didn't win all the finals MVPs like Leonard one, one, and Tony Parker one, one, but Duncan was still kind of always the guy I felt like at least on those teams, Kobe was obviously the second field to Shaq. Nothing against, again, I have Shaq is the eighth best player of all time. Shaq and Kobe actually 8-9. But I just, the five championships for him doesn't do as much for me as it does for Duncan. And then, yeah, Duncan just beats him in a couple of things. Nothing against Kobe. Again, I'll never forget Kobe when I was a kid watching the All-Star game, his first All-Star game. Jordan was in it. Kobe was in it. And I didn't know who Kobe Bryant was before the All-Star game. He was like a teenager. And... He was doing like 360 dunks. And I I remember my dad and I were watching. I was really young. I was like eight or nine. And I was just like, who? We were both like, who is this guy? That was the thing about Kobe Bryant. He popped off the screen. And that's why he's the headliner, not Duncan. Or even like he popped off the screen. He was entertainment. You knew where he was all the time. He did not disappear in games. I'm sure Duncan disappeared in some games, even when he was as Pete. Kobe did not... Disappear. He was an excellent dunker early in his career. He was taking crazy shots. He was dean up the best guy. Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba, he was a star, star of stars in Hollywood. Just Lakers were perfect for him. No franchise would have got if he was staying in Charlotte. I, I don't know how his career goes. I'm sure he does fine there too. But him in LA was perfect. Um, and he's one of the best to ever do it. Again, I said it earlier, top 10 player of all time. Um, his unfortunate passing last year was really sad because I think Kobe loved basketball so much. I think he was going to do so much for the game of basketball, whether it be um, eventually getting into a front office. Like he would grind out front office hours any day. I could totally see Kobe doing it. magic like wanted to. He's not like that like Kobe would have or coaching his daughter um you know doing a lot with women's basketball Kobe just had so many good years left that's like the most tragic part like Kobe was gonna do so much good in the second half of his life he won an Oscar like it's just really sour not gonna get to see that but I'm really happy his wife Vanessa um gave a really good speech on Saturday it was really heartfelt and um you know the NBA community misses Kobe I miss Kobe Um, Not the biggest Kobe fan ever, but he's just, he's so good for the game. Um, So it's great to see him get into And and again, I said, Duncan's the better player. He's the headliner. I mean, then the sense of the better player to be the headliner, Kobe Bryant hands down should always be the headliner. I just want to make sure it's clear because he's the star. It's just, if you had to pick the best player, who's the headline player is of the the draft or of the, you know, the class, I should have said it's better in the beginning. It's, it's, it's Kobe. He's the star. It's the star of star. One name. I don't think people like, people don't call Duncan like Tim. Oh, Tim. I'd be like, who the hell are you talking about? It's Kobe. It's Mike. Like, he's that level. Shaq. That's the level we're talking about here. All right. So, those are the three um, NBA guys who I want to highlight. And then, real quickly, I just wanted to highlight uh, one last person Tamika Catchings. Um, because Tamika Catchings, I don't think, is going to get her her due because it's Kobe, it's KG, it's Duncan, three of the best NBA players of all time. But it, we shouldn't kind of lose sight that Tamika Catchings is literally like top five, maybe top five of your generous top ten, definitely WNBA player of all time. So I mean, in, in her league, same thing we're talking about. Kobe being a top ten guy, Duncan being a top ten guy, KG being a top thirty guy, Tamika Catchings a top ten WNBA player of all time. Uh, in in like, if you look through her numbers, she played for the Indiana Fever the entire time she was there. She played at Tennessee, won a championship there. But if you look, like she is the all time leader in steals in WNBA history. She's, I believe, third all-time in WNBA history in, wait, I have this somewhere. I'm going to pull this up now in a second, but let me talk about some other stuff. She won finals MVP in a Finals. She won a WNBA uh, MVP award, 10-time All-Star, 7-time All-WNBA first team, 5-time All-WNBA second team. She was a five-time defensive player of the year, okay? Five times. She's the all-time leader in uh, scoring, rebounding, and steals in the WNBA playoffs. And, okay, I pulled her up now. Her all-time rankings are dumb. So, (laughs) in league history, she is, I said, first in steals. She's third in rebounds. She's third in points. She's eight in assists. And she's 12th in blocks. She's top 12 in like every major category. I doubt I'm thinking right now in my head, is there any NBA player that no? LeBron would be the closest probably by the end of his career, but no, like she's one of a kind, like ultimate defender lockdown had multiple seasons with like over two and a half steals a game. Also a great rebounder. Staying with one franchise, too, the whole time in Indiana, delivering them the city a first basketball championship since the ABA Pacers were winning. Pretty cool stuff. I, I, you know, I can't say I'm a WNBA expert by any means, but I can appreciate greatness when I see it. And she was a great player. I reached out um, to someone who knows a lot more about WNBA history than me um, at The Athletic. Um, I've had her on before. She's great. Uh, Lynn, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, Lindsay D'Arcangelo, I reached out to her and I said, you know, I'm making a list of like the greatest WNBA players of all time. I have Tamika Catching's top five. Is that crazy? Like you obviously know way more than I do. What do you think? And she got back to me and she said, um, I'll read it verbatim. I don't want to put any words in her mouth. She said, some put her in the top five greatest players. So yes, she's definitely in the top 10, but she has the resume to be top five. You know, lists get subjective when you get down to top five grades. And, of course, I totally get that. But, yeah, we're talking about top five, top ten of all time. Um, So, Catchings deserves right there. Like, in in level like, class importance, Catchings, Duncan, Bryant, Garnett, all being together. I mean, that's a – that is a all-time class. And, again, there was other people, too, but those four really stood out. Some of the best to ever do it. So, amazing class. All right. I think I went over 20 minutes, but whatever. 2021 class. Let me talk a little bit about this more. So, this class, first of all, is enormous. Um, I don't really understand why it's so big. It's like if you look at the last several classes, no one's even close, but I'm going to read all the names off really quick. So, the like North American committee, so like players that players and coaches um, from like the NBA, WNBA, modern kind of air, we have. Rick Edelman, Coach Rick Edelman, uh, Chris Bosh, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell as a coach, um, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, and Jay Wright. They all got in. So Bill Russell got in another time. i It's kind of weird to see him get, someone get getting as a coach and a player. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, but Bill Russell was the first African-American coach to ever win a championship, so that's a huge deal. He was a player coach at the time, but still. Um, so he should be in the hall of fame. He probably should have been in the hall of fame already for that. I don't know why they're just figuring this out now, but regardless, he got in again. That's great. So they all got in, but then the veterans committee picked Bob Dandridge to get in, which I'm super excited about. I've been wanting to do a pot about him forever to get in the hall of fame. He's been waiting forever. Um, so I'm going to talk about him in a second, but he got him from the veterans committee, the women's veterans committee, put Pearl Morin, the international committee, put Tony Kukoc in early African-American pioneers committee put Clarence Jenkins in, and then contributors got in: Cotton Fitzsimmons, Howard Garfunkel, and Val Ackerman. Gosh, this is not my pod. With, with everyone that listens probably knows I pronounce things wrong all the time. But there's a lot of names today, so I apologize to anyone I'm saying the name wrong. But yeah, that's the class for this year. Huge, right? So I actually did pot of fames on a lot of these people. I did a pot of fame episode on Chris Bosch. I did one on Ben Wallace. That was the very first one. I did one on Chris Webber, and I did one on Tony Kukoc. So I'm not going to talk about any of those players. If you want to learn more about those players and their careers, go back and listen. Got great pods. Tony Kukoc, I did with Sam Smith, who wrote the Jordan Rules. was great. Chris Webber, I did with James Hamm. That was excellent. Ben Wallace was the first episode. I did that one by myself. Um, And then I also have a Chris Bosch one, which I did um, with David Ramil, and that was great as well. So, I encourage you all to go back and listen to those episodes. I'm not going to be talking about any of those players here. Um, but who I am going to talk about today is Paul Pierce, Lauren Jackson, uh, Bob Dangridge, and Rick Edelman. Those are the four I selected. Okay. There's a lot of choices. Those are the four I selected. I'm going to talk about Paul Fear first. Okay. This is a, a pie, like, Congratulations, Paul Pierce. I want to say that. However, I I think Paul Paul Pierce got in his very first year, and it was almost a sure thing. It was a sure enough thing that he was going to get in this year that I didn't even do a pot on him. However, I don't... Paul Pierce is a Hall of Famer, but I think he's extremely overrated. I kind of am... it's silly. I don't know how to say this correctly. He, I knew he was going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. I don't think he should have even been close to being this automatic guy. I don't think he was good enough to be this. Oh yeah, he's a hundred percent in the Hall of Fame. He should get in his very first year. He shouldn't have to wait. I, I don't get that. He averaged 20 points per game of his career, six boards, four assists. That's great. Percentage-wise, he shot under 45% for his career like Kobe, shot 37% from three, 81% from the line, played a very long time in the league, mainly for Boston. Of course, he was a 10-time All-Star, and he won that 2008 NBA championship with the Celtics, okay? He was Finals MVP. That's great. But he was a four-time All-NBA, and it was three third teams and a second team, okay? So, he was maybe a top 10 guy in the league one year, top 15 guy. So he was never, like, he was never, I guess, one of the best players in the league. I never thought of him as one of the best guys in the league. He was a good, a good player, an above average player for sure. But I never thought of him, like, I never thought of him, like, of course, like a Kobe, all right, or a KG, Duncan, the people who are the automatics, right? I never even thought of him in that, like, realm, not even close to that realm. Or like today's game, like a a Harden, a Westbrook even, a Curry. Like those guys to me are surefire Hall of Famers. Like Paul Pierce only got MVP votes five seasons. He only got in the top 10 in MVP voting one season. 2009, he was seventh. That's, That's it. He was top 10 in MVP votes one season. Why should that guy be a first ballot Hall of Famer? It doesn't make sense. Like He played long enough. He scored tons of points. He's 16th all-time in NBA history, 26,397 points. And almost every Finals MVP gets in the Hall of Fame. We've, I, did that, I talked about that in the Chauncey Billups episode. But for Paul Pierce to be this automatic guy where there's no debate and someone like Chauncey Billups came and be a finalist, it's a bit perplexing to me Like, like Paul Pierce's best season ever. He averaged 27 points a game, seven boards, five assists. This is his best season ever. This is his peak. I like, that's a great season, but that's the best season he ever had. I like, or I was talking about Duncan's finals performances, right? How dominant those were his 2008 finals when Pierce won. He averaged 22 points a game, five boards, six assists. Okay. Shot 43% from the field. I think you could have honestly given that, MV, or that MVP award to Ray Allen in that finals. KG could have easily got it. Like, I think again, he was just Pierce was there first. It's his team was almost like a an achievement award from. I mean, he deserved it, but he also like easily couldn't have gotten it. And then he just has a finals champ, a finals championship form. Um, I just he should be in the Hall of Fame. I just I don't get the. Why I felt like he there was no doubt about it because I think there's plenty of doubt. Like again, Chauncey Billups has pretty similar credentials to him, Finals MVP, three-time NBA compared to um, Pierce being a four-time NBA, and and Bilbs was a much better defender than Pierce. Um, and then when you look at like NBA like MVP shares. Billups was top 10 twice, and he was fifth once, sixth another time. So, like, Chauncey's not even sniffing finalists. And and Pierce's is automatic. That's all I'm saying. Like, why was he automatic? Someone needs to explain to me. Again, I I knew he was going to be in. That's why I didn't do the pot on him. So, I knew it too. I just, I don't know if I get the love. But, Paul Pierce, congratulations. We're celebrating you, and I'm just kind of bashing on this, feel a little bad about it. But I just, I don't know if I get it. Also, your, uh, was it an Instagram live video the other day that got you kicked off of uh, the network? That was hilarious, so thank you for that. But that was your Hall of Fame moment to me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Finals MVP, that's great. This is most memorable before I fall. I just, I don't know if I get the Pierce love. The real best player of the 2021 class not Chris Bosch either, but Chris Bosch is great. I think he should be in the hall. He had to wait too. Paul Pierce didn't. I think Chris Bosch, I don't know. I think I put Chris Bosch, Nah, eh. No, I put Pierce over Bosch. But who actually is the headliner is Lauren Jackson. Um, WNBA, it's Lauren Jackson and Australian League Lauren Jackson. Lauren Jackson's like, again, as I said with um, Tamika Catchings, Lauren Jackson's a top 10 WNBA player of all time. Uh, she won three league MVP awards. Uh, only two other players have done that in WNBA history. It's the most ever two other people have done it. They're both in the hall of fame. So yeah, three-time MVP we're talking about here. Uh, three-time NBA scoring champion, two-time WNBA champion, uh, won a finals MVP number of all NBA, MB- uh, all WNBA first team. She was defensive player of the year. She won a rebounding championship. Like. She's she's all time. And then in the Australian League, too. I don't know what the quality of play there is, but she was the MVP of that league four times. I think she was the MVP of their finals four times. I think that's what this grand final MVP thing is. Like she is one of the better women's basketball players in history. And she's by far the headline of this of this class. Because we're talking about a top 10 player in league history uh, who Could rebound again. I said she wrote a rebounding title. She could shoot the three. She um, was a dominant scorer. She won a defense. Like she was just an all round baller for Seattle for all those years and won two championships with her. So, um, Lauren Jackson again, WNBA. I'm not a pro at this when it comes to them. I want to do a WNBA pot of fame history down the line or pot of fame episode down the line. I have to bring on Lindsay though, or a WNBA expert to carry me there because I can look at the numbers. I can watch highlights. That's what I did to look at Lauren Jackson's career, to look at Tamika kitchen's career, but it's not like I watched them all the time growing up. I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't, but I can appreciate great news and I can talk to people that know this. And when Lauren Jackson is brought up and she's one of the greatest of all time, she's the real headliner of this class. It's just, uh, again, Paul Pierce was around a lot, much longer. She played for 12 years. And then, of course, you know, the WNBA viewing is just, I, I'm, I'm just not the NBA. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. There's not many people's eyes on it. I think it's growing in popularity, which is great. I think it could expand soon, which is great. But it's just not the NBA. So she's, she was not the headliner, but she really should have been because she's a three-time MVP um, who's one of the best players in her league's history. So congratulations, Lauren Jackson. The other two people I want to talk about from this class really quick is Rick Edelman and Bob Dandridge. So I want to talk about Rick Edelman first because I want to leave Bob Dandridge for last because I seriously started taking notes for an episode on him. I just never got around to do it. But for Rick Edelman, uh, I remember him for kind of two reasons. One, he coached like the most, I think the most, one of the greatest teams ever to not make it to the NBA finals. And that was those early 2000 Sacramento Kings teams with C-Webb who got in the Hall of Fame. Um, as part of the 2021 class, um, with with Mike Bibby, with Strakovich, Divac, Those teams were so fun. And the way he coached those teams and played with like the passing on those teams was excellent. Rick Edelman was an excellent coach for those teams. And then also for the Blazers, um, 92 finals against Jordan. He was the coach there, and of course, lost to Jordan there, but coached, you know, Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Cliff, um. So, so a great coach has been around for a lot, coached a lot of great teams, but never won an NBA championship. But that doesn't mean he's not Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, on the all-time wins list, he has over a 1,000. He is, wait, I got a list up. Ninth all-time in wins. And his winning percentage is above 500, which you always want to see. Uh, he did make it to the finals. I mean, everyone above him on the wins list is in the Hall of Fame already except George Carl, who has a pretty bad winning percentage. Uh, His is just 0.432, maybe why he's not in, but he just made a finals, didn't win it. But everyone above him is in the Hall of Fame already. Um, He has a better winning percentage than a lot of the people ahead of him too. Um, So he's a great coach for a very long time. I think if you get over 1,000 wins in the NBA, you should be in the Hall of Fame. So I think George Carl should probably be in the Hall of Fame eventually too. Um, But Rick Edelman, coached some fun teams. Congratulations, you're in. I think a thousand wins is like three thousand hits in baseball. I think it's like automatic. We we'll see with George Carl, though, I guess. And then finally, Bob Dandridge. So why do I want to talk about Bob Dandridge so much? So a couple of things. One, I really didn't know much about Bob Dandridge till like five years ago, and then I started learning about him, and I kind of, I became a secret like super fan of this guy because this is a guy the '70s. You know how I said earlier the '2000s were kind of like a weird time in the NBA. The seventies were a really weird time. I mean, there was the ABA um, like random teams were winning the finals. Like every year, there was no like dynasty. Really? The Knicks won a couple, but outside of them, it was like kind of a crap shoot. Like Sonics won one year. The Blazers won one year. The bullets won one year. Like it, it was just a lot of fun, right? A lot of random teams are winning, but it's kind of a lost decade. The bucks are winning championships too. He was on the, the 73 bucks championship team, or I'm sorry, I don't think it was 73. It was, let me look it up. 71, I'm sorry. He was in the 71 Bucks championship team. So yeah, teams like the Bucks are winning, right? Him and Kareem and Oscar. But Bob Dandridge is like a forgotten player from the 70s. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him today. I don't want to spend too much time on him, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Go look up Bob Dandridge. Very fascinating guy. So first of all, um, just high-level credentials on him. Four-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ. Uh, made one All-NBA team, made one All-NBA defensive team, um, and was a 19-7-3 and 7 and 3 guy for his career, okay? So nothing staggering. He played for the Bucks for the first half of his career, and then on the tail end, he played for the Washington Wizards. So far, nothing I've probably said screams Hall of Famer, and you might not understand why I'm so excited about this guy. Why I'm excited about him is because in the 70s, Bob Dainridge played in four NBA finals. And in the 70s, he scored the most points in the finals for the decade, okay? So think about that for a second. In the 70s, in the NBA finals, all the NBA finals that took place in the 70s, the number one score, total points, was Bob Dandridge. okay? Let me go through some other decades with you. In the 50s, the NBA Finals scoring leader for the decade was George Mikan. Probably one of the only people you knew in the 50s, right? In the 60s, the NBA Finals scoring champion for the decade was Jerry West. One of the best players of all time. 70s, as I said, is Bobby Daneridge. The 80s was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The 90s was MJ. The 2000s was Shaq. And the 2010s were LeBron James. So... All those other players are Hall of Famers and they're all, all time. I mean, Jordan, Shaq, LeBron, Kareem are all in my top 10 list of all time, best players of all time. And then there's Jerry West, the logo, and George Mike in the first star of the NBA. And then there's Bobby Dainridge. Okay. So I, I just, I feel like that's the argument you have to say, like, that's your argument. And I think it should end there. Like, I don't care about anything else. You don't don't stumble into scoring the most points in the finals for a decade. You don't stumble into that. That's not a fluke. I just, I find it so fascinating because the casual fan has no idea who this is. I am a, of course, someone who studies this stuff, reads anything I can get my hands on. And he is someone who is just, he's fallen through the cracks. On those 70s teams with Milwaukee where they won the chip in 71, when I think of that Milwaukee team, I think of Oscar Robinson, I think of Lou Alcindor, Kareem Odeel-Jabar. Those are the guys I think of. Those are the guys. And those are the best players in those teams. But Dandridge, as a 23-year-old on that team, averaged 20 points per game and 10 boards and three assists in that finals. Okay, that's nothing to sleep on. Then in the 78 finals, and these are the two that he won. I'm not talking about the two he lost yet, but in the 78 finals with the Bullets, they beat Seattle in seven games, okay? He averages 20 points per game, seven boards, and four assists in that finals, and they win. He should have won the MVP award for that, but when you think of that Washington team, I think of Elvin Hayes, and I think of Wes Unseld, West Unsold won the finals MVP there. Probably shouldn't have, but I think, again, it was like a lifetime achievement award. Like, hey, you've been on the team for 10 years. You're the leader. You're the heart and soul of this team. You get the finals MVP. But Danger is probably the best player. He probably should have got the award for that finals. But again, 27-4 for that finals, which they won seven games. The other two finals they lost, in 79, they get back. They repeat. He goes 22-8-5 and in the finals, but They lose. And then the other finals he had was, let me look here, 74 with Milwaukee. They lost. He went 17-6-2. So that was his worst finals by far, but still 17-6-2 in the finals. It's, it was against Boston. It, it's still a solid stat line, not as superior as the other three, but four finals, most points in the finals in the decade he was a, like a versatile player who played really great defense and also could score. He was a passer, he was a rebounder. He kind of did it all. And he wasn't in the Hall of Fame for all these years, I think, just because four All-Star games doesn't pop off the screen. One All-NBA team doesn't pop off the screen. Uh, you know, his all-time numbers, like points-wise and everything, it's 15,000 career points, 5,700 career rebounds, just under 3,000 assists. None of that screams Hall of Famer but the ability in the finals to score at that level and be that level of a player consistently makes him in my book, a hall of famer and someone that should have been years ago. And then also he did play college basketball at Norfolk state and is by far the best player of all time. There uh, averaged 32 points a game in 17 boards, his senior season college does matter when it comes to the hall of fame. I think you all know that by now, by listening to me and um, and Dandridge was a great college basketball player. And back to the MVP award shares, I, I'm, I'm really hitting this hard just because of the Paul Pierce thing I was going on earlier. In 79 season, Bob Dandridge was fifth um, in the fifth in MVP voting that year. So he was at one point of his career, also a top five guy in the league, which again matters. And that was the year he made an NBA second team. So he didn't make first team of the year, but second team. So that's Bob Dandridge, Milwaukee star in the seventies, as well as, a great player on those late bullets teams, but he was overshadowed by Oscar Robinson and Lual Cinder, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, on those bucks teams. So he got kind of forgotten there. And on those bulls teams, Elvin Hayes, Wes Unseld, both hall of famers, kind of the third guy on that team, even though he was really kind of the first guy on that team. So two different teams. He was kind of the third guy, but you know, Chris Bosch just got in. Chris Bosch was the third guys in those two championship teams. And, uh, I'm sorry, I got a siren going on. If you if you're having trouble hearing me, don't worry about it, but it'll go by in a second. But um just a kind of the third fiddle on two different championships teams, but was in the finals for almost half of the decade. Deserves to be in the hall of fame. I'm glad he finally got in. Bob Daneridge. It's probably the first time you've heard about him, but go look up some old highlights of him. Deserves your time. That's the class of 2021. Those are the four guys I kind of wanted to hit on, to, or I'm sorry, three. Three guys, one woman I wanted to hit on for the 2021 class, Uh, but congratulations to them. When they have their ceremony, um, their official one, just like the 2021 class, I'll probably do another recap and maybe dive a little deeper into the full class again, maybe pull up some more Bob Danger stuff, but I just wanted to give that kind of quick update today. So again, 2020 class officially in, 2021 class now announced. Go back, listen to any of the old episodes I have on that 2021 class if you want more information on them. Um, and, and that's all I really had today. Again, I, I didn't keep it as short as I wanted to. However, I've kept it shorter than other specials, so halfway happy with myself. Um, tune in next Monday. I was supposed to drop this one today, but I decided to I, I put a poll on Twitter. You wanted this instead of a normal episode, but Andre Johnson – was supposed to come out today. It will come out next Monday. The great Houston Texan receiver. I had John McClain on, a Hall of Fame voter and longtime journalist for the Houston Chronicle on to talk about Andre Johnson. It was a great podcast. So I look forward to putting that out next Monday. So join us then. Other than that, same thing per usual. If you don't already, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Pot of Fame. And we will talk to you next Monday when we bring on John McClain and talk about Andre Johnson. Thanks everybody for listening. We have a great week.